you're listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventures show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author, and your host, Lisa Smith. Hey, everybody, it is time for another Lost Angel Travel Adventure, and this time we're going to talk about the devil. We're going to Tasmania with Linda Ballou, and this story is featured in her Lost Angel Unleashed book, Stories from the Heart, and you can go get it if you go to lostangeladventures.com and also lindabalouauthor.com. So welcome back, Linda. We're going, we're kind of going down under, right? Can you say that for Tasmania? That's right. Absolutely. Tasmania is a part of Australia, and it's even further down under than the main uh, Australia continent. Mm. I remember when you went to Australia and Tasmania, it was right, you like got home right before the shutdown for COVID, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, I was so fortunate to get down under, uh, you know, big, big on my bucket list. And I got to go all around the, the main continent. But on a tour with overseas adventure travel. But then I took a week on my own to go to Tasmania because I had heard so much in, about it being a wonderful for outdoor adventure. And that's what it is. It's just absolutely fabulous. If you're an outdoors person and you love to hike, um, you know, or you have water sports there, but I have to say the waters, <laughs> the Tasman sea is a little chilly, but the Tasmanians swim in it and surf in it and so on. But, um, yeah, it once was, Tasmania once was a part of the main continent. And 12,000 years, there was a, a land path between Tasmania and the main continent. And 12,000 years ago, there was a sea level rise, like what we're experiencing now. Guess what? And yeah. it rose up and it covered the walkway that the Australians had used. So the Tasmanians in, uh, in Tasmania were isolated for 12,000 years from the main continent. So they wow. evolved on their own differently. And hmm. they were, um, there were um, 4,000 Tasmanian Aboriginal people living on the island, which is about as big as Ireland, by the way. Uh, when the British landed and they uh, had different, they didn't have the tools. They, they weren't as developed as the, as the people on the main continent. They only had one tool, one weapon, which was a spear and they had very few uh, tools, but they were uh, peaceful, loving people mm -hmm. and, and lived happily there for about 12,000 years until the wow. British came. Yeah. Oh, uh, now, so when the British came, you know, I know in, in, you know, people famously talk about, okay, then there's the Captain Cook and all that. We, oh boy, there's all kinds of, like every country, we have some crazy history and continents. But, but I know the British famously said, here's a bunch of criminals and dump them out there, you know. Right. So did that happen in Tasmania too? Absolutely. In fact, the Port Arthur uh, port and Little Harbor is where the, most horrible penal uh, colony was established oh. and the worst of the worst were sent there offenders in the Australian penal colony if you can imagine <laughs> the, I mean the people who it really is a tragic tale though because a lot of the quote-unquote convicts were people who were like stolen a piece of bread or someone yeah. stole a handkerchief you know and they were 
they didn't have enough prisons just to, to accommodate all of these criminals. Oh, and so criminals, they, yeah. they sent them off to um, colonize Australia. And the, the penal code, the convict uh, thing was just hideous. You know, they, the people were treated hideously, you know, flogged and beaten. Mm-hmm. And they called, they had one, uh, they, they felt they were, after it got horrible for so long, they decided to, to reform their system. And they started giving the people less or more food, like you would a dog as you're training it, you mm. know, to do what they wanted. And what they wanted them to do was uh, build things and they built, you know, buildings all over Tasmania. But the interesting thing is, is that the worst of the worst people started this place. But the people who live there now are like the best of the best. I mean, they're like the sweetest people on the planet. So accommodating, so generous, so giving and so environmentally conscious, Ooh. they are preserving their little corner of the world. Over 40% of Tasmania is a national park. And there's only, there's only like a half a million people living on it all year round. Mm. So, well, as you even say in your article, you know, your article, but in your book, you know, your story, you talk about don't drive at night because there are things. I mean, it seems <laughs> like it's so wild out there. In a way that they're living, they're coexisting with nature. Is it what it seems? Really, like from, from absolutely, meeting? absolutely. Well, it's really a friendly country. Um, on the way to Cradle Mountain, which is their um, equivalent of our uh, Sierra Mountains, only not nearly as high. You know, maybe about six thousand feet instead of twelve thousand feet. You know, so that was also one of the beauties of the place is that even on all they have all these outdoor tracks, they have eight hundred and eighty miles of trails on this not very big island right and um so it but it's a strain it's it's incongruous because the british then after the penal colony business was going on years later the british gave land grants to um landed gentry in in england so kind of like our homesteading that we did here in America when they, you know, they told the settlers, you know, go west. You can, you know, if you live here, you can have the land. And so the landed, some of the landed gentry came and gentrified the place. So it has a very English feel, you know, you, you it's very civilized, you know, with pastures, with sheep and um wow. you know, sweet, sweet little villages that remind you very much of the mother country. Uh, but the difference is, is that it's framed in rugged mountains and so on. So I just want to read you this little piece about, about Mm. it, about the countryside. Okay. The country, and I'm on my way to Cradle Mountain here. The country lane soon turned into a corkscrew affair that spiraled upward through mountain sheaths and thick forest. No one had mentioned to me that Tasmania is one of the most mountainous islands in the world. Accidents on the narrow lanes are common. You were advised not to drive after dusk, as that is when the wombats, wallabies, and patamelons come out to graze, causing accidents as people swerve to miss them. All this is added to the drama of driving on the other side of the road. They're English. The good news is there was little traffic, and I had the roller coaster ride through gorgeous country to myself. 
Cradle Mountain National Park is home to the highest peaks in Tasmania with wild, unpredictable weather. And even though it was raining the day I arrived, I attempted to hike the four-mile Dub Lake Circuit. The trailhead is also where the challenging six-day overland track begins. Sheets of water shut out the view of the mountains framing the lake and forced me to turn back. I was, however, able to enjoy enchanted woods track in the gloom of a haunting forest ensconced in moss and algae to Kenvet Falls. So that's the way the place is. You know, it's it's uh, a little daunting <laughs> to get. I mean, after a week of driving on these roads, I was really ready to turn my rental car in. I really wish <laughs> I had uh, given myself two weeks at least to explore. And if you're going down that far, I mean, you take a flight from, um, it's a domestic flight from Sydney, or you can take this ferry that's a nine-hour thing that people, it's pretty rough. I mean, the seas out down this way mm. can get pretty daunting. So I wouldn't recommend the ferry, um, you know, but the Especially flight, if you get seasick. Yeah. And people do, they get sick. Mm. Um, and so the flight is a piece of cake, and it's very, I love the simplicity of the place. You know, Hobart is a small town. It's the major town. Um, you could just spend a week in the Hobart area exploring things that are day trips from Hobart. You can go to Port Arthur. You can go to where I did on the first day, which is the track that follows the cliffs that are behind me. And this is a wonderful Rugged. coastal walk. And along this coastal walk, which is um, very few hikers on it, maybe, you know, a couple here and there, it's very safe. You know, I would say all of Tasmania is very safe, you know, and, and clean. And that it's just like, you know, such a nice little place, corner of the world, uh -huh. honestly. So I saw little wallabies, which are like little miniature kangaroos, you know, sleeping on the side of the trail. And of course, oh, cool. waterfalls. yeah, water. This is called, you know, waterfalls and lots of uh, wildflowers. Of course, you want to go down there in our uh, winter. Their winter is our summer. And they I do... want to go anywhere in winter. That's got. So yeah, <laughs> really. It's been a rough one. I know, Lisa, you've had a tough time <laughs> out there in the world this year with all of this bizarre weather we're having. But I think the bizarre weather is going to continue, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you and have anyway, to be prepared for it. And that kind of yeah. place, I think, is used to this fluctuation. Like, you know, Colorado's like that very much, right? You've been to Colorado quite a bit where yeah. they say wear layers. I've been in like 80 degrees and all of a sudden down to 30. Right. It's very, it's very mercurial in Colorado, largely because of the altitude. As you're going, like Denver's at a mile high, right? The mile high city, that's around 6,000. But you in a, an hour's drive, you're up at 9,000, you know, mm -hmm. and so you're adjusting, acclimating all the time. And, of course, in the mountains have their own weather. They create their mm -hmm. own weather. So um, but this area here is more rainy than snowy, okay. but it does snow up there in Cradle Mountain and they, wow. do, get, they do get some weather here. So I'm saying, you know, um, if you do make that very long journey, uh, you know, make certain you're going in a time of year when you can enjoy the outdoor tracks. There is a um, five day coastal walk um, on this area in this area here, which is quite beautiful. And I really wished I, I could have done it. You know, it's like a hut to hut um, five day track. 
Pelican some of it you have, yeah, some of it you have to be camping out, but lots of fun outdoor activities there. So um, Cradle Mountain is the most famous, and the um, the track that I mentioned there is, you know, a lot of people come from around the world to do those two main tracks, the Coastal Track and the Cradle Mountain. Mm. But if you go over to the East Bay to Frisonay, then you're all on the coast, and you have all of these really charming coastal villages, really sweet. Miles and miles of white sand beaches that you can stroll upon, and I I did an air I did Airbnb things there, which were all great, really reasonable, under a hundred bucks. I think I don't think I spent more than a hundred bucks for any of the Airbnbs I stayed at, and the one in in a show, which was just a half a block to the beach was called the wheelhouse and it was so sweet and charming and gardens everywhere. They love flowers Ooh. and there's, Ooh. you know, it's, you know how the English have their gardens, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's sweet like that. And um, so I could, I walked to the beach and there was a blowhole there that was a tourist attraction and they had little arrows along these orange colored rocks. There's a, there's an algae down there that colors the sea, the rocks, oh, orange, ooh, all along the, what they call the Frisonay coast. And so I follow these arrows like breadcrumbs to the witch's cottage, you know, and <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah, it was great. You know, it was like this little secret path and it ended me up in the Marina, small little Marina where um, there was a glass boat tour, which I oh, took. Oh, I yeah. love. Yeah. So you could see the local sea life. And um, I was informed that a lot of the kelp and some of the starfish and things that you would normally see there were not there because of global warming, because there was a oh, warm wow. current coming from. Yeah. So all over the world, you know, global warming is affecting the Great Barrier Reef. And um mm-hmm. There apparently is a warm current that comes down from the main continent um, that is killing their sea life, which is unfortunate. Oh. But nonetheless, very sweet little ride on the boat. I mean, not a big deal, just sweet, just relaxing, nice guide sharing history and such. And then I had a delicious bowl of uh, seafood bouillabaisse. You know, it was like really good. And I really had a nice time. just walking about running into things you know it was very easy to explore and have a a very pleasant time you know which coming from the big city of LA and dealing with the traffic and the crowds everywhere I mean it's such a pleasure to be in a relaxed environment you know where you can just stroll along and stumble into things it seems very Uh idyllic did you meet um very many international tourists there or were there mostly locals from Australia? Cause I was traveling on my own. So um, I stayed with a local family in Launceston, which is the second largest town there, which isn't big, but it's famous about this. There's a gorge there, a beautiful, beautiful, dramatic gorge with a suspension bridge over it. And um, they, were long to had born I think they were born one the wife I think was born there but anyway once again so pleasant so extending they took me out to dinner at the gorge they wanted to show off their you know their little town which yes. was you know with the Victorian homes 
once again, very clean and uh, very charming. Mm. Uh, so I wasn't really talking to a lot of people because when I was traveling there, I was traveling alone. I was in mm. kind of a hurry because I only had a week. Um, I stayed at the Wombat Lodge in Cradle, <laughs> Cradle Lake, which was so cute. It was really cute. It was like so rustic and sweet. And when I landed there, I went, where am I? My God, there's no, there's no town. There's no nothing. There's, And uh, I started to walk around. And uh, I w- it was like the only establishment aside from this kind of a resort place. So I went in there and they were actually having a wedding there. And it was really quite fun. There were, you know, it was a big party. Oh, cool. <laughs> Those were all local people. Now, I didn't meet a lot of international mm-hmm. travelers, but then I wasn't chatting a lot with everyone. But I was, just, well, I think you can kind of tell when there's a lot of, even if you're not talking to them, it just seems that, you know, you, how often do you hear of people going to Tasmania is kind of where I was going with that, well, because I don't think, I think people will go to Australia, but Tasmania right. sometimes just kind of gets left off as this, you know, oh, the devil's there. And you went to <laughs> well, meet the devil. The, and you see, and you, the devils are alive. There are devils. Yeah, there are. Uh, the little, uh, the little Tasmanian devil is alive but he's almost extinct because he has a cancer in his, on his mouth that the, he can't eat and so they have sanctuaries for them where they're trying to keep them but they, they're almost gone so you're not going to see a Tasmanian devil you will see lots of the little wallabies and the wombats and the patamelons they're all very cute and they're all and they're everywhere at Cradle Lake in the park I was having lunch and there was one really overweight while waiting for me to give him a treat i mean they are like very friendly and you know there's no big predators that i'm aware of there oh wow so uh, but the people who come to tasmania and they do come from all over the world are hikers okay so that's that's their choice is the outdoors you know the the lovely outdoor that lighthouse that's behind you was fun Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a circuitous drive up this mountain up to the top. You don't get a, you don't have a sensation there of how high it is, but it's quite high overlooking the Tasman, a very dramatic view. And you have a sense of, and it's a huge marine mammal preserve there, like 200 miles out into the Tasman Sea is fishing and all of that is prohibited. So you have the whales and the seals and the dolphins, oh. you have a ton of marine life. And uh, when the uh, British first came, the sealers came and they just about clubbed all the seals to death, just about. Mm. But now they have been refurbished. What the sealers also did was abducted Aboriginal women and uh, yeah, and raped them and uh, impregnated them. So the story goes that the last... Uh, aboriginal woman uh, aboriginal full-blooded aboriginal her name was true janini and she was born in 1803 and by 1876 there were no more aboriginals they were it was a genocide a total genocide they had they had killed out all of the aboriginals right and there were four thousand of them when the british arrived but one thing that you may not know is that there was a French man, I think his name was Perron, who got there before the French or before the British, and they didn't colonize. This man was an artist, and he drew pictures oh. of the Aboriginal people, 
and their dwellings. So it's it's very interesting to see his his drawings. There's oh. a documentary on YouTube um, that I watched. I didn't. It's a little controversial because it it talks about the the, the fact that there are they say there are Aboriginal people on Tasmania who are half caste from the sealers and the British who raped the Aboriginal women. Yeah. And they wow. have a village. They have a little village uh, still on Tasmania. So they dispute the idea that um, there are no Aboriginal people on the island. But the fact is, is that most people say that it was a total genocide. What happened was when those landed gentry came, mm. they brought sheep. So the sheep then took over the hunting grounds of the um, Aboriginals. And so then the Aboriginal people became aggressive and started killing the settlers. So when oh. that happened, it's just kind of like our story. Doesn't it sound kind of like yeah, our it's, story? It's, history is, you know, you know are, I mean, it's yeah. kind of, you know, the cat, the, the people are, people came out, killed all the buffalo and took over all the hunting grounds. And the Indians responded by fighting. They didn't have any choice because mm. they were being displaced. Same thing here. Only they did a better job of killing everyone in uh, Tasmania. It's you know it's crazy when you go to places like that and you hear that history, and on an island it just feels closer because an island's smaller. Right. And when you're walking through it, I remember when we were in Guernsey, um, in the Channel Islands in between England and France, and there was all this World War II history because the Nazis occupied the island, and so when you're walking, you knew these people were there. And you were on these, you know, just in their footsteps because you couldn't escape the footsteps because it's a tiny little place. We didn't belong there. We we're too loud. We needed a <laughs> small for us. But I mean, we went to even just a hospital and it was an underground hospital. And yeah, I got the creeps, man. I, I 100% Nancy and I were just like, you know, because there was still water dripping down the walls and moss on the inside and the original beds from when the Nazis took over were there. It, it was freaky. Um yeah. But when you're in a place like that, you know you're walking where someone ancient was. Do you feel that when you hike? Do you think about the people before yes. you when you hike? Yes, I do. Particularly around here, the, the uh, Tongva people lived mm -hmm. in the mountains here. And, um, yeah, I, I, I feel a layered spirituality in the mountains, mm -hmm. you know, the, the original peoples and and then here we have a lot of very uh, earthing types. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are out there earthing around here. <laughs> you know, uh, I feel as, like I say, a layered sense of, of spirituality as I go mm -hmm. through the woods mm -hmm. and my walks. Mm -hmm. Now here, I didn't go to Port Arthur, which is the most famous place because that's where the <laughs> penal colony is, right? But I kind of didn't want to go there. I had read about how beastly and horrible it was and how they treated yeah. people and so on. And it was slave labor to build it. You know, the convicts were slaves. You mean like uh, our White House? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So I, and even though Port Arthur is supposed to be quite a charming place, I had limited time and I didn't go there. Instead, I, I hiked this track that you see behind me, which was what I wanted to do. Oh, yeah, that's the nature. And that that's the thing. I mean, to be able to see 
you know, when you hike in nature, you see the similarities between countries and places, but also these incredible differences. But you do feel, do you feel like when you think about how everything split, like how the, you know, Tasmania, you know, shot off on this side and here's Australia, right? And you you can see like, okay, this used to be here. You know what I mean? There, think like, about the geography of our planet. Yeah. You know, it brings it home. Um mm-hmm. One thing, uh, but there's, I kind of wanted to go to Port Arthur because there's an island, I think it's called Ernie Island, but there's a ferry that goes out to this island, which is supposed to be really cool. Uh, my, I have a friend who's Australian. She told me, be sure and do that. Well, I didn't, didn't quite, you can't so do everything. Words, you want to go back. Make everything, everything this, you know, that's I another thing. A, when I travel, visit? I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. Return? When I travel, I, said, I don't try to do everything. I try to have a good time. Yeah. So I don't rush around trying to see every top site. I try to immerse myself in the place and maybe a little local local thing. Like like when I was coming home from this this place, um, I saw a a street sign that said Boomer Bay. I went Boomer Bay. I'm a boomer. I have to go to Boomer Bay. So I turn off the main highway and I tootle down Boomer Bay. And I see, and there wasn't any place for me. I was hungry. I was looking for a place to eat. And I saw a driveway and a sign that said something about something lodge. And I went, "Mm, okay, I'll check it out. So I go up and it is so darling. It's a Victorian house and it's set in a lavender garden and they have a herb garden and flowers and butterflies. And it's just my, my, my car and maybe one other car. And I go up to the, and it indicates that there is a restaurant there. So I go up and knock on the door and it's like two or three in the afternoon, which is a weird time to be wanting to have lunch or dinner. So I said, well, I know it's an off time, but, um, and there was no one in the dining hall, which was very nice. It was overlooking the sea. There was a sea breeze coming in, you know, the the yellow curtains were lifting lightly in a sea breeze. The tables were set like an English cafe, you know, a little English Victorian style thing. And I said, uh, I wonder if I could, you know, get something to eat. So the gentleman was very nice, once again, very extending. He said, oh, all right. Well, we have a seafood special today. And I went, really? He said, yes. And I said, well, I have to love seafood. Bring it on. So I'm sitting there having tea. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with the with the cloth napkins. I mean, it was very nice. Not hoity-toity nice, but comfortable, sweet, inviting mm-hmm. nice. And he brought out some fresh homemade bread, a whole platter of all different kinds of seafood, clams and mussels and wow. shrimps and all of this with these different dips and things. They have the big seafood here. And uh, it was absolutely fabulous. It was the best meal wow. I had on the, you know, in, in all of Australia. <laughs> wow. Wow. But that, but that, I love that you leave room for spontaneity and talk about right. not going too fast. That's to the deal. That That's the deal. You know, when you're, when you're rushing around to see the sights, I think you miss a great deal and it's just not the way I want to travel. So that's why I always take, um, I try when I have a trip to take a week and, and travel independently. 
Because usually, mm. you know, like in Australia, I was hosted, like I said, by Overseas Adventure Travel, which is a wonderful trip, but it's 20 day, one days and you're zooming around to, to the major sites. You know, it starts mm. in Melbourne, you go to the outback, Uluru, you know, you go. And, you know, we ended up in the Daintree area. I mean, it was all wonderful. Uh, but you're you're going at a pretty fast clip. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it sounds like you know, you leave room to go back too, and that you know that's the thing. Nancy and I always find ourselves circling back to places because it's like we never did this, and people always like it's like when you go to a place and it happens to us all the time. Well, we why didn't you come see us? Well, like you can't see all the people you know in a place either when you're traveling, which seems right. really rude to people, but we can't. <laughs> It, and it's like you, you want to, yeah. you just can't do everything. You can't see everyone, but you do a little bit. But it's better to have that immersive experience where you actually can feel and actually breathe in and enjoy it and have a right. memory. Because when you're zooming so fast, your memories—that's when it becomes well, that big get, blur. Well, What's the well, point? You get, you get tired instead of refreshed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get exhausted. Instead and your of, memory goes with it too. Yeah. That's what I think. The memory, just saying, getting to that point of learning, okay, this is what's not going to make the memory bank. <laughs> right. Well, I was really fortunate to be staying with some local people. Um, a woman I know who, here who is an author, um, her sister lived there and she, and I, they had never, you know, sight unseen, they had never met me and they were so gracious. Oh, wow you know, and um, so extending and, you know, made my trip quite special. So, no, I didn't meet any uh, international folks, but I met quite a few locals and all of, all, all of them were really nice. And the Airbnbs, like I told you, sweet, clean, lovely environments, uh, all of them reasonable and good. And I would highly recommend and if you're traveling in Tasmania to do the Airbnb thing because mm-hmm. you will meet the locals and, you know, have a really nice local experience. Um, my Wombat Lodge, I will say this, was a little bit too far away from the entrance to the park. And Cradle Mountain is quite up there and it's quite, uh, uh, there are very few places to stay. And I think it was the Lemongrass Inn that was close to the entrance of the park that I really wished I'd stayed at. Because then I could have spent more time in the mm. park. And also there were trails coming out of that resort. Mm. So it was a little pricey and I didn't do it. And I wished I'd spent the extra bucks to be closer. Mm. It's also lodging inside the park, which, you know, I should, I chinched out on that when I should not have done that. Sounds like you need to go back. I was trying to say that earlier. I wouldn't, mind. I wouldn't mind. Actually, Australia, uh, there's tons of stuff to see. I would go to the Blue Mountains, which I didn't get to when I was there. And uh, Brisbane, I understand, is very nice. I really didn't do a lot of, um, I wanted to go to Whitsundee Island and, the, you know, the Gold Coast and some of those really gorgeous turquoise waters. And the water is warm enough to swim there. Uh, I swam there. The wonderful thing, I love the Sydney Harbor. You take the little ferries, you can go to the different stops, you know, get on and off. And in Manly, I went swimming at the beach there and the water was quite warm, as warm as Hawaii, clean, you know, really, really nice. But I wouldn't recommend swimming in Tasmania, I don't think. I, I walked on the beaches and Put, put my toe in but and I swim yeah. here in the Pacific 
So I'm not exactly a wimp on that front. Well, you know, I just, I, to me, it, it sounds like South Africa in a way, to me, a little bit of like Cape Town, kind of the Cape area. And there's a certain, it's just even the ruggedness of the cliffs, there's certain, like the Garden Route area, like Mussel Bay, Plettenberg mm. Bay, that kind of area. It reminds me of what, just from your story. And for some reason, I am now craving a good cup of rooibos tea and a scone. I want a scone. <laughs> I had that, yeah. I had a toast, what they call a toasty, which is kind of toasty and tea, which is kind of like in a, a panini thing, only with, you know, toast. And, it, you know, I, it was just, it was all really nice. Did um, you have Vegemite? No. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I, I haven't actually had the pleasure. I understand it's acquired taste. Um, I'd like to go to South Africa where you I, are from. I would yeah, like to go there. And I think we're going to be talking about Africa on our next uh, episode. And I, so. I believe, I believe that's where we're going next, but Sounds um, good I, to me. yeah, I was in uh, Botswana, Zimbabwe and Zambia. Mm. That's where awesome. I was. And I awesome. loved Africa and I would love to go back, but uh, mm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's always changing on that continent. <laughs> well, and me. I mean, I hope I can make it back personally i said it's a rough drive it's a it's a long flight i should say yeah. it's a long flight 20 from hour from flight from here i mean that's that's a thing that's a thing uh want first is, class in champagne yeah australia <laughs> is like uh, 14 hours from from me um mm -hmm. if i go back i will want to stay a month and really take a you know there's just so much to see really and it's all beautiful but you want to go in our our winter yes their summer. always get out in the winter and go to the summer places it <laughs> sounds like the perfect way to do things as far as i'm concerned well, right. Linda, it's always a pleasure to go on an adventure with you and uh, linda is a lost angel uh because she is based out of the city of angels los angeles and she loves to get out in nature as you hear and and seek out the outdoors versus learning about the slave trade which is hard to, to well it's hard well, history history is interesting. Hard. it is but it is interesting and it is important to know our history but um you know it is um when you travel it's you have to make those decisions you know and it's um you know and sometimes a trip like that is the only trip someone will take you know for years so it's it's important to do what you really care about, but leave that open window of spontaneity. I always say that you've got to be able to, that's why we don't drive a big rig of RV, a massive RV, because we'd be dead by now. Cause it's like that road looks so cool. Let's go. You know, you need to be able to have that, but everyone, I encourage you to go to Linda's website and get her books. This one, uh, this story about Tasmania, the devil made me do it. That is in her book, the lost angel unleashed stories from the heart. And that is her third lost angel book. So all three books, you can go to lost angel adventures, Dot com and for all of her books, her nonfiction and, and fiction, go to lindabaloauauthor.com. Looking forward to our next chat, Linda. All right, Lisa. Take care of yourself out there in the world, okay? You too. Enjoy that sunshine. I know you're going to Arizona next, right? So Yes, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward. I know the wildflowers are going to be outrageous because of all the big rain we've had. It'll be great. And snow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my March, it should be all over. I think it'll just yeah, be gorgeous. Oh, it will be. Trust me. 
I just got a, I've got a big foot and I've just got a big boot on there, big hiking boot and any more snow, I'm kicking it back. <laughs> Good luck on that. All right. All right take Lisa. care, Linda. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Lost Angel Travel Adventure Show with Linda Ballou, travel writer and author. Keep up with her at lindabalouauthor.com and lostangeladventures.com. You can also keep up with Big Blend Radio at bigblendradio.com. Now, happy traveling. <laughs>